0: Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, ClarkDeals.com, where you go to save money every day of the week. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Regis moment, there is a cold call scam that's costing people their identities or money. I'm going to tell you how it works, what you need to watch out for. And coming up yet later, you're looking for more money back in your life? There are things you can do that can bring perhaps hundreds of dollars back into your life each and every month. And I'm going to tell you how to get it done. So we face multiple challenges in making sure that we're safe when we're out and about. And we're going to have many, many difficult conversations in the United States about how we use technology to keep us safer as people rightly fear what can happen when you're in a public space, even just going to shop. And so there are companies racing to develop technologies that can screen an individual and quickly make an assessment if an individual by the expression on his or her face or who a digital image knows who they are might be a threat to others. And so there are any of a number of companies that are developing artificial intelligence systems that claim that they can see if somebody's up to no good. One that you may have already heard about is one that's called the avatar. And it is a system that a computer with a camera looking at you uses artificial intelligence techniques to assess the level of threat that you represent. It. What does Avatar stand for? Automated Virtual Agent for Truth Assessments in Real Time. And the money for this was funded at least partially by the federal government. And the idea of it is to be able to pick out people who are going to be a problem based on the AI assessment of you and how you answer questions. Now, the thing that's crazy about this I saw in the Financial Times is even the developers of the avatar system say it's only 80% accurate. Can you imagine you're stopped somewhere entering a sports event or you're going to fly on an airplane or you're going to any place where there's an enhanced desire for security and you're then questioned by the robot, by the system, and it decides you're one of the people who's a problem and you get pulled aside and you're not going on that flight or you're not going to that sports event or you're not going to that concert or whatever, you know, if it had an accuracy of 99%. We'd probably say, well, so they're gonna mess up one in a hundred people. They mess up one out of five people. What about the people it assesses as okay who are actually the ones that are a problem? You know, we are scrambling for answers. How to make us safer in places where threats exist. And I understand that, but until something's ready for prime time, it's something that we should not rely upon because you know how these things happen is that people rely too much on the technology, trust the technology too much. And then what do you have? You have a surveillance state that falsely accuses people of doing something bad when they haven't done anything wrong at all. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Hello. David, you're going to avoid airports. You're going on a long road trip. Tell me about that.
1: I am, and I'll give you the Cliff's Notes. In the past, when we've gone places, we've always made reservations in advance. This time, we want to have a lot of stops, exploration, uh, sightseeing, and so forth, and I don't want advance reservations dictating my schedule, so how do I get good hotel rates by uh, using the internet and the various websites that are available, but at the last minute, so it may be the day before or even the very day.
0: So the good news is the marketplace really supports you doing that now. There is even an app called Hotel Tonight. Have you heard of it?
1: I just now did.
0: Okay, so Hotel Tonight... I have used with um, modest success. I haven't, I wouldn't say that it's been a great success for me, but I have used it where I've been on a road trip. I don't know how far I'm driving. And I've actually, uh, being as cheap as I am, I've actually used Hotel Tonight where I'll, I'll figure out, well, this town is 30 miles away and this one's 65 and whatever, and I'll see what the rates are posted for that evening in both towns and then decide how far i'm going to drive based on that if i get a better deal in one place versus another but it is a uh, an opportunity for hotels when the day is upon them and they're looking like hey we're not going to f- fill up tonight where they can dump last minute unsold rooms into the hotel tonight inventory and you very well might get a deal. Do you know what percent of hotels in the country are empty on any night on average?
1: I would estimate anywhere from 20 to 10 percent.
0: How about a third? Oh, boy. So there's, uh, and you know, you'll have a town that's chock-a-block full, but generally there's a huge number of unsold rooms each night. And that's why this can help. I'm also a big believer in Priceline using the ability to use Priceline's, what's known as their express deals, where they don't tell you the name of the hotel, but they tell you the star level and how much people like it or don't like it. So I've got a system where I look for hotels that are four star, that have an 80% or higher Guest approval rate. And as long as I stick to four stars and 80% or above, I have never had a bad room or a bad hotel.
1: Now, how does hotel tonight work if you want hotel stay tomorrow night? It doesn't. Okay. I just wanted to You clarify. have to
0: wait till the day of travel, but the price line would work if you knew the day before.
1: All right. Any and other so. I'm sorry? Any other recommendations?
0: Besides those two? I mean, those are my two favorites. Um, You can go on um, Hotels.com or Booking.com and they will have their specials of the day in a city, but I find that I do the best on Priceline as long as I'm willing to give up knowing the name of the hotel till after I bought non-refundable. If that makes you too nervous... I would look at Hotels.com and Booking.com.
1: I have no problem with not knowing where I'm going. I've got a GPS, so I can find my way there.
0: All right. Well, then the Priceline Express deals pay off for me over and over again. Last time I used one, I got a a four-star hotel that was fantastic. It was a Hyatt Hotel, and I got it for $56 a night. And, of course, after I get something like that, I go back and see what they're quoting to the public. The cheapest rate they were quoting for that night was 129 and so it really paid off for me. It's not always going to be that stark a huge difference, but it sure was that night. Hope you have a great trip. Clarence is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Clarence. How are you?
2: Good. 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 Just some quick questions to see if I get some of your advice here. All right. Recently, I just went through a short sale of my, uh, my property.
0: Wow. And, uh, I, I yeah. haven't heard somebody with a short sale situation
2: in years. Yeah. So I just kind of, uh, I had fallen behind on a property and um, the property was sold and I actually moved and the sale didn't go through the way that uh, we had expected it to. And so I had to sit here for a little bit, and so I got approved from the bank to run a short sale on a property.
0: Well, that is very interesting to me. Um, and how long did it take you to get that approval from the bank that authorized you to do the short sale?
2: I had to keep just reapplying, and it it, it, it took some time. It, it took some time. I would say a year.
0: Okay, but they finally approved it. You did the short sale. And how much did you sell the property below what the remaining mortgage balance was?
2: 65000
0: Okay. And is the bank coming after you for that 65000 Or have they told you that they're going to write that off?
2: No, they have written that off.
0: All right. Now, you will have some taxes due on that sixty-five.
2: Yeah, that's kind of my question. How does that work?
0: Okay, so what happens is they'll issue you a form of a 1099. It's almost like you earn money somewhere working at a side job. And then okay. you report that as income. So based on whatever your general tax rate is, that determines the tax. So let's say, let's keep the numbers simple. Let's say your tax rate's 20%. That 65000 would mean you'd owe 13000 in tax on the money they forgave. Okay. And so it's just a straight ratio based on whatever your tax rate is.
2: Okay. Okay. Would that would that would short sale that still be better than a foreclosure, correct?
0: Um well yes, because a short sale generally you end up in better shape and the lender ends up in better shape than you would otherwise. So I thought you'd already done it. You're just at the point where. No, no.
2: Yeah, it's completely done. I was just I I never considered a foreclosure. I just always assumed a short sale was a better way to go.
0: Short sale is a better way to go, and the tax code has this provision where you get taxed on it, which is a relatively new thing. It's only been for the last two years that you're subject to tax on it, and I don't know what the Congress was thinking putting in this tax penalty on a short sale because generally with a foreclosure there's no equivalent normally so yeah you're being punished for having cost the lender less money okay so uh, it's something you have to prepare for and budget for and if you can't pay that tax when it's due next year then Mm -hmm. there's a procedure we can talk about next year about how you'd handle it. But the good news is you're out of the property. You don't have a foreclosure on your credit. The lender didn't end up with all the costs of a foreclosure. So it's generally a good thing. The bad thing is this tax penalty, which is really counterproductive, but it is how the system works. Today's Clark-rageous moment is a weird one. Criminals stealing your medical personal information for a number of purposes, mainly to line their own pockets. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a clark Regis moment. Okay, this one's freaky weird. This is from Kaiser Health News. There's an ongoing scam operating around the United States where particularly senior citizens are called and they're called by someone acting very authoritative that it's time for them to have the tests that they need to have under their Medicare program. And they'll come to the door, they'll call them on the phone, they'll solicit them on Facebook, and they'll even if they need to they'll drive somebody to have the tests done. These tests that are being taken of seniors are genetic tests that the criminals are getting paid kickbacks often for taking people to have these tests that Medicare is then billed for. In, the, in this case, Medicare is paying typically many thousands of dollars to as much as many tens of thousands of dollars. To have these tests done, the test results are never given to you. They're never given to your doctor. Instead, what happens is criminals, if they want it, have all kinds of personal information about you, and they make all the money from having referred you for these tests. What you need to know, and fortunately, some of the perpetrators have been sent to prison, but this is still going on around the country, according to the Kaiser Health News reports is you need to make sure your loved ones know when they are solicited by somebody saying that they need a medical test or anything like that, that that is not an individual they should talk to. Any kind of tests or whatever ordered should be done so by their doctor only and not by some solicitor calling them or coming by the house. In addition to the other problems that can occur here, there can be issues of identity theft piled on top. Joel, do we have time to sneak in and ask Clark? Yeah, Clark, we sure do. There's one from Eduardo. He says, there's a trading company that helps you learn how to trade. They charge about $15,000 for tuition and membership dues plus broker's fees. The minimum to open this account is $3,000. Is this legit or is there a better way for me to learn how to trade? I don't believe in buying and selling systems, what are used to be called red light, green light systems. I don't believe in high frequency trading. To me, the $3,000 is much better spent being kept in your own pocket than with somebody who says they're going to teach you how to dare to be rich doing stock trading. I'm so glad that you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Think about that save more, spend less. Well, We as a team live that as our lives, all of us that work on our websites and newsletters and social media and radio and TV and off air. This is what we're about. There are times that we see in our own lives that, well, we might have a loved one or a friend who they're not exactly spending money the way that we would do it. But most of the time, you just keep your mouth shut, right? And you just let them do what they're doing. Well, our team member, Chelsea, that's not what she did. What did you find out about your dad?
3: I found out that he was not spending his money as wisely as I knew that he could be from listening to you and being a part of your team. So he asked me for some help. He's a small business owner, so he doesn't have a ton of time to shop around for deals and price check everything. So I took just a couple hours one Sunday afternoon and I cut three bills and saved him a little over $3,000 a year.
0: $3,000 a year. All of us would like an extra $200 or $500 or $1,000. I mean, that's why people go buy all those stupid lottery tickets is they think they're going to score all this money that's going to rain out of the skies. But a lot of times money can... Uh, come back into your life just by what you don't spend. So you said it took you how many hours? Just two. Two hours, saved your dad 3000 bucks a year. Absolutely. So what things did you find your dad was wasting money on, that, and that's a value judgment on our part, but that he was wasting money on that he was happy to make changes once you showed him what you could do?
3: The three big expenses I saw when I just did a quick uh, quick look through his statements were his pay TV, so cable, internet, and his cell phone plan. I knew he could get better prices than what I saw he was spending.
0: And so you took them one at a time, or did you look at some kind of bundle, or how did you end up saving him over three grand?
3: I did them one at a time. The very first thing I looked at was cable because I knew that there are so many streaming options that could save him more than $100 a month. So that was the first place I checked.
0: And how much was he spending for pay TV
3: before? $158.24 a month. A month? A month. A month? I know. I couldn't believe it either. Okay. I'm
0: trying to breathe. (laughs) $158 a month. And what did you cut that down to size to?
3: $50 a month. We switched him to YouTube TV.
0: And has he been
3: happy with YouTube TV? So far, I use it myself, and I, I know that I liked it, and I knew the channel lineup would work for him, and he likes it.
0: So he's had no problem adjusting from a traditional cable TV remote to watching YouTube TV?
3: There was a learning curve, but I was there to help him out, and so he seems comfortable with it.
0: So that alone saved him uh, over 1200 bucks a year. Absolutely. That's a big difference right there. All right, so then you said you attacked Internet next. What was he paying for internet before?
3: He was paying $170 a month for internet. Seriously? Yes. He also had um, a landline incorporated in that. So one of the first things I asked was, how much do you really use this service? And we kind of determined that it really wasn't a necessity. So that was something I knew I could cut and just focus on finding him a strictly internet deal.
0: And so from 170 a month, what did you drop that to?
3: $50 a month as well.
0: So 50 seems to be the magic number so far. Apparently. And so has he complained at all about the quality of the internet service he's with now? Did it require a change of company or just a change of plan?
3: A change of company, but he had had the service in the past. So it wasn't a complete and utter switchover. He had already had AT&T. So they just came out, turned it on, and that was that.
0: All right. So that went from spending almost $2,000 a year to 600 a year. Right. All right. Then you said cell phone. What was he doing with that?
3: Well, he has Verizon. And luckily, I didn't actually have to change his service. That was one of the things he was reluctant about. A lot of his business is done over his cell phone. He didn't want to have to change his phone, switch his numbers over, and you know, worry about any issues that may come from that. So I called Verizon, and I discussed a few things. Um, I found some things on his plan that he really didn't need, like cell phone protection, um a plug-in service for his car and um basically after I discussed some things with them they transferred me over to a prepaid apartment and we got his bill down to $68 a month from 120
0: so and this all took 2 hours
3: 2 hours all it was was making a
0: few phone calls and now $3000 a year is back in your dad's pocket
3: and he is so happy
0: and So everything's working just fine. No problem with internet. No problem with television. No problem with cell phone.
3: It was as smooth a process as it could have been.
0: Well, how about that? And I think about how many people are in this situation. I was talking with a couple just a few weeks ago that were on a cell phone plan that they were paying for a family plan. They were paying over $200 a month. And they had taken something we had on our cell phone plan guide on Clark.com, and they cut their bill to 100 a month. And he said, we're saving over worth $1,000 a year. And I'm like, yeah. That's the idea, is that particularly with technology bills, whatever they are, they are, and we just pay them. But you proved that you can make a huge difference in your overall life, because who wouldn't benefit from having $3,000 more in their lives?
3: I know I could.
0: So, good job. Thank you. So, I guess you're your daddy's favorite child.
3: I'm his only child, but yes, I am his favorite. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's perfect. Thank you. So, there you have it. You may not have Chelsea in your life, but you can make a difference in the budget in your life by looking at those monthly expenses and look at them one by one surgically and look how much money you can save how much expense you can reduce. I was talking with somebody, this is so ironic, earlier today who's also on Verizon and has a massive bill and he's got one of those overpriced iPhones. And I said, you know, you can stay on Verizon. He said, "Yeah." So, what's that mean? I said, you can stay on Verizon and shave almost $100 a month from your bill for the cell phone. He said, Well, tell me more. Tell me more. I said, I want you to go on your phone right now to visible.com. And I got him to go to visible and he said, what's this? I said, this is Verizon's discount brand that they don't want anybody to know is their discount brand, but it's $40 a month, unlimited everything. And he said, it's the same. I said, yes, it's the same Verizon. It is Verizon. Just make that one switch and you'll have all that money back in your pocket. Now, what I don't know is if after he and I talked, if he actually did anything or if he still wants to pay too much money to brand name Verizon or will go to Discount Visible, which is the same Verizon, his choice. Stephen's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Stephen.
4: Hello, Clark. It's awesome talking to you, by the way. I've been listening to you for 20 years.
0: Well, it's great to have you here, and you have a huge anniversary coming up.
4: We do. Uh, My wife and I will be celebrating our 30th anniversary next year.
0: That is fantastic.
4: Oh, yes, thank you. It is. I agree. And uh, we decided we wanted to go to Greece to celebrate and do something kind of fun.
0: Now, you know you're violating uh, a key Clark Howard rule, right? Oh,
4: deciding where I want to go.
0: Before Uh-oh. there's a deal. <laughs> you, instead you say, Man, look at that incredible deal to Italy. Let's go to Italy for our anniversary. You know, that that if you let the deal drive the trip, it'll get you a lot lower price. But I digress because Greece is where you want to go.
4: It is well, I'm half Greek, so I kinda wanna go to go there just for that too. Okay. But uh, um, I wanted to kind of get your advice on uh, t- how to avoid the tourist season. Um, we're not set on going on our exact anniversary date or anything like that. So we just wanted to go over there and avoid all the people. And we don't know if that's going in spring or, um, you know, and then, and then little things like how to get around and what, to, what should I absolutely go see. I figured if you're a man of the world, you'd have some good advice.
0: All right. So um, as far as going to Greece, there are, there are two styles of Greek trips. And you want to do both, if you can. And one is some of the Greek isles, and the other is seeing the ruins in Athens. Seeing the stuff in Athens. So, And I've I've actually done both, and I can't say that one is better than the other. That I really think that if you're going to do this, you're going to do this right, you go to both some of the Greek isles and to Athens. And... As far as months, my favorite times for you to look at are going to be um, September, October, is probably my favorite, and then my second okay. favorite would be April, May, because if you okay. can if you can avoid summer, and by all means, do not go in August, because that's when all the Europeans are there. But you're going to have better weather, smaller crowds. And uh, it'll just be a better trip all the way around. The other advantage with April, May, September, October is a huge number of places you'll go in Greece will not have air conditioning, and it can be pretty stifling hot in the summer.
4: Oh, that makes sense.
0: And so you'll have uh, better temperatures for your travel, better crowds, and... You can use, there's a variety of uh, ferries that are public, semi-public ferries that you can take among the Greek Isles. And if you spend some time on TripAdvisor and figure out which places you want to go and and how it works strategically as far as mapping out, going to places, and with the ferry schedules, you can do that. If you want to spend more you can do, especially if you do what's called shoulder season, which are these months I'm talking about, you can do a cruise in the Greek Isles that will include several uh, fun stops in the Greek Isles plus typically um, enough time in Athens to see at least the major highlights of places there.
4: Hmm, that's a good idea. I haven't thought about that.
0: And that's a very common way that people visit Greece and the Greek Isles now is with the cruises. And uh, if you go in one of the ones in um, late September through October, you'll tend to get the lowest prices of the year on one of the cruises. As far as airfare, I want you to wait till several months before you're going to go before you start really focusing on airfare.
4: Okay, like two or three months?
0: Probably three to four months out will probably be good. Now, sometimes there'll be a sale that will include April, May, September, October. And when there's a sale that that pivots across the summer and includes spring and fall, then at that point, you're good to buy. One other trick about Athens is regardless of where you live in the country, many times the fares are so much cheaper from New York to Athens than they are from anywhere else in the United States to Athens that can actually pay to buy one ticket across the country or from wherever you live to New York, and then a separate ticket from New York to Athens, many times will get you a much lower overall price on your trip. Um, But TripAdvisor is going to be a big help to you and a big friend in planning this trip. And again, congratulations on your 30th anniversary. martin is with us on the clark howard show and martin you have a would i rather kind of like an either or you want me to weigh in on what's going on
6: uh what's going on is i have a former residence that i have on the market and it is not sold in what would be considered the hot time of year so i'm currently kind of you know I'm paying two notes right now to where I relocated to, and that old mortgage, of course. And I'm wondering about if you think it would be wise for me to dip into the rental market. It is the Baton Rouge market, so I don't know if my I don't know what you think if it would be smarter to just continue to ride out having it for sale or to try and get a tenant in there to keep my income flow better. Because right now, obviously, I'm losing. Sure, you're getting clobbered. Yeah, clobbered is a good word. That's correct.
0: All right, so uh, I've I've seen this movie myself, so (laughs) I will tell you how I've handled it in the past. Generally, what I've done is if I've decided that I've got to pull a property off the market, I make a psychological decision that I'm willing to be a a landlord for as long as three years.
6: You can't get caught up in taxes, right?
0: exactly but you can't just say oh well i'm gonna i gotta stop the bleed i'm gonna rent it for six months till the next time there'd be a good time to put it on the market i mean you got to go in uh you know fully into the okay. idea of being a landlord or just deal with the consequences of having to have the house on the market longer or take less for it if you were to yeah. rent it do you have a sense of how much rent you could get per month versus what your carry cost is with mortgage, taxes, and insurance?
6: I mean, from what I've, what I've been able to gather right now, um, like square footage is $0.90 cents to a dollar in the market I'm in for rent costs, which would put me, without property management coming out, that would put me like around $500 over my mortgage note. Well, I mean, that's not a disaster. That's
0: right. actually fine. So if the market is not giving you what you want to sell the property right now, and you can actually potentially be cash flow positive on a rental, right. that to me sounds like a great opportunity for you to rent that thing out.
6: Okay. All right, I was making sure. I'm just uh, I'm very new to being in this position. This was on first house and then life just changed all of a sudden and now we're we're spread pretty thin dealing with the change. So.
0: And so you don't want to, to be sure. under the gun that you take a really low offer for your house because right. of the bleed. So turning it into a rental is fine. How much is the house worth today your guess versus what you paid for it?
6: Uh, i mean i bought it at 178 not long after i was in there it was appraised at 184 uh, i'm in the market listed at 192 I okay you answered from- my,
0: you answered the key question i was looking for there's not even a problem if you turn this into a long-term rental because you're not in a position where you're sitting on enormous gains on the property right so i would say give it a run as a landlord. If you hate being a landlord, that changes what you do after this first tenant would move out. But if you find you don't mind being a landlord, maybe this is what you do with this property for a period of time to come. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show.